Being a good person is hard. How do we make ethical choices in our complex, globalized world? There are so many ways to look at even simple things like brushing your teeth or drinking wine. Welcome to Pullback. I'm Kristen, and I'm a PhD student at the University of Toronto studying nonprofit politics and eco labels. And I'm Kyla. I've teamed up with my old friend Kristen to beep boop her audio and moan about how I regularly suffer from decision fatigue. <laughs> so much decision fatigue from everyone. Oh my god, Kristen, just tell me the answers. <laughs> Join us every other week as we dive deeply into the hidden issues behind your favorite things. Where Kristen is going to definitely give us all of the answers. <laughs> no. <laughs> Academics always hedge, you know this. <laughs> but we are going to challenge ourselves to go beyond the product labels and the consumer movements to see what's really going on. We cover important topics like how to spot cruelty-free makeup and also super serious matters like should you make your own toothpaste? Uh, spoiler alert, no. <laughs> Not if you're me anyways. Uh, whether you're already a waste-free vegan or an average consumer, this show is for you. Join us in our journey to make more informed decisions. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Yay! That was a really smooth one at the end there. <laughs> I tried to turn on my podcast voice for that one. Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers. But then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Manny D. Yes, you are, and hello. That always throws me off. I'm always you so used to You should be doing expecting it by now. A spoiler at the start of each episode that when we do our movie talk episodes, it just throws me off. So it completely throws off the groove of each movie talk episode. Well, thanks, Manny D. I'm sorry. You've ruined it all. I'm already. sorry. We established this format. We both agreed yeah. to it. Yeah, and it was my idea and too. And it was your so idea. It makes it worse. I can throw a pseudo spoiler if it makes you feel better. Yeah, sure. Do uh, one. Spoiler that. Oh, now I'm on well the spot. Well done. Well now done. I'm on the spot. Good job. Um, so typically what we do on this show is we look the at- The parrot is a good guy. There we go. There's my spoiler. <laughs> Thanks. That could be any movie. Uh, it's Aladdin. Oh my God, I did it. I spoiled that movie. <laughs> I'm so sorry, people at home. What? The parrot isn't a good guy in Aladdin. Isn't he becomes Iago- a, Yeah, he becomes a main character in the sequels and in the TV show, but he's not- Iago becomes a good guy. Not in the movie. No, he gets sucked into the lamp with Jafar at the end. So. Well, he does too. But in so later- You don't even know the movie that In later installments, he yeah. becomes a goodie. Yeah, because he was so likable, I See, suppose. Kids liked him. I'm looking at Aladdin as not just like a movie, but as, as a series, as okay. a tale, as a Spoiling it as an overall journey. That's right. Wow. Okay. So as I was saying, what we typically do in this show is we look at upcoming blockbuster releases, we look at all the promotional material for those movies, and we attempt to predict as much of the plot as humanly possible. Sometimes we do it separately. Sometimes we do it together. Yeah, we come together and put our heads together and come up with our own plots together. Sometimes we do it separately and try to see who whose plot is better or more accurate than the other. But this one's a little different. Yes, so quite like Hollywood is taking a break from making movies, we're taking a break for just one week at least to talk about what exactly is going on. We want to keep everybody in the loop if they aren't already. Yes, that's right. And I guess it's probably a good time to sort of address the elephant in the room. I mean, yep. I guess we can So Manny D, he's been on the show from the beginning. I, <laughs> oh, I kid. Oh, I kid. Oh, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard to work out, Kieran, when your gyms are closed. Yeah. Anyway, it's hard for us to keep going on with this podcast without addressing, I guess, what's happening yeah. and how it's affecting us. We've mentioned it in the last two episodes, uh, at least. Yeah, and I guess anybody who's listening to our episodes 
you know, before this point is probably wondering, why don't they talk about this more? And I guess this is the opportunity that we have yeah. to at least debrief um, about it all. Yeah, exactly. We can take a moment to be topical, which yeah, is always interesting on a podcast, but way off in the future, when things go back to normal, fingers crossed, fingers crossed, this will be a nice little time capsule. We'll see what the world was like during these crazy, crazy times. Absolutely. Before we get into that, we should probably promote another podcast that we appeared on. We did a crossover episode with the guys at Pullback, Kristen and Kyla, and we did a full episode with them where we talked about everything that's wrong ethically with Hollywood, and we even came together and came up with concepts for our own ethical movies, whatever they might be. Yeah, so it's a similar format to when we try to create an adaptation or a remake, but this was a little different because we tried to come up with a movie entirely by scratch, which was new for us, and Kristen and Kyla also joined us and created their own movies, so that was a lot of fun and it's worth checking out. Yeah, so I think their website is pullback.com, if I'm not uh, mistaken. It's pullback.org. Oh, it's pullback.org. It's an organization. Yes. Well, it makes sense, I suppose. But you can also find that on iTunes, Spotify, basically wherever good podcasts are found. Not Stitcher for some reason. They seem to have a bias against Stitcher. (laughs) I guess so. Something they might need to rectify for the future. Yes. Because we're on Stitcher. Yes. So their their podcast deals with sort of ethical concerns. And I would probably advise listening to the first episode first. But I guess it doesn't really matter which which sort of order you listen to those episodes. Yeah. But whatever you're interested in. I would also encourage people to also listen to their whole archives there because it's actually yeah. a pretty decent show and a pretty topical show for what's going on in the world. Good That's to, right. Good to keep informed. They do, in fact, talk about what we're going to talk about this episode as well and they'll talk about it, well, they do talk about it in a way more informed way and have way more facts than what we're going to throw around. Mm. So I'd recommend you listen to that if you're interested as well. Yes, and I was, and I'm sure we'll get into it, I was having quite a, a stressful, anxious time with the announcement of everything that was happening and I found their episode a great source of comfort. Oh, um, yeah? I don't know if you felt it that as well. It was the opposite for me, to be honest. But it kind of made me digest what was happening and right. have a little bit more positivity and a little bit more hope going forward. So if anybody's feeling sort of anxious or uncertain, check that episode out. Those guys went through a similar thing and I found that episode really helpful for me. Yeah, there you go. So shout out to Pullback. We love their show. I'm sure they like us too. Hopefully. Everyone go out and listen to some of their episodes. Please do. Now let's get into the body of what we're talking about today. Coronavirus. Yeah. COVID-19, aka the virus, as I like to call it. As the president of the free world would call it, the Chinese virus. The China virus, I believe. The China virus. Let's not go into that though. Yeah, what a what a crazy, crazy time. This started a couple of months ago. I think it started in January around late January Mm -hmm. and it mainly was just affecting mainland China. Most of the world wasn't affected until the last couple of weeks at this point. So we're recording this in the last week of March where we're all basically currently in lockdown to try and stem the further spread of the virus. So it's a respiratory system virus, which kills, I think, maybe, is it like 7% of people who get it? Something like that. The the statistics are really hard to sort of nail down because there's a lot of uncertainty. because it changes all the time and there are different strains of the virus as well. So Mm -hmm. we've got a relatively minor strain here in Australia from what I read. Yeah. Where in other countries, sorry to cut you off there, in other countries they've got way more severe. So the death rate, I think the mortality rate is a bit higher, for example, in Italy or China, for example. Yeah, it's also worth noting for people who are listening internationally that here in Australia, it only really started becoming a thing, a thing or, or an our, issue. Our government sort of only very recently started taking within the it last two weeks. Seriously, um, yeah, within the last two weeks. So this week, 
that we're recording in now has been the week where most jobs, if they can work from home, have been working yeah. from home. Um, most industries that are considered non-essential industries, like you know your bar work, your your cafe work, your cinemas, pretty much all hospitality, cinemas. That's what um, we're here to talk about. The, the arts, the theatre companies have all pretty much closed down, leading to a whole bunch of people unfortunately losing their jobs. So there's yep. a lot of uncertainty and a lot of stress there. So I know for other countries, this has been going on for a matter of weeks. For us, if it's, not months, it's really hit us now (laughs) so we're very fresh so um, maybe people listening at home might have a different perspective there but it's only really sort of happened we've sort of only caught up with everybody else now yeah Yeah, look at us the last kids to get the cool (laughs) trend that's right desperately trying to catch up with everybody so yeah as we just touched on then one of the first things to be affected by the virus itself was the film and cinema industry so of course, we all know this by this point, one of the largest markets for movies in the world is China. So as soon as the cinema market in China was affected, a lot of major studios, mainly just Hollywood studios, decided to push back all their films because they don't want to take a huge hit to the wallet. They don't want to risk, since nobody in China can really go to the cinemas or congregate together anymore, they didn't want to risk hurting their box office worldwide because, as I just mentioned, China is probably like 60% of their overall box office. Mm. So this is why they started delaying movies, but now we've gotten to the stage where over in Hollywood they can't even make movies anymore. It's considered a non-essential industry, so most movies have shut down production, those ones that are currently in production anyway. Yeah, and I guess when at the time when this sort of happened, there was maybe a little bit of hopefulness that it was going to sort of die out quickly and it yeah. looks like that's not going to be the case of course yeah. i'm certainly no expert and no. the information i get changes on a daily basis but it looks like we're kind of in for a long haul here yeah um i do know and you're probably going to get into it that they're looking for alternative ways to sort of show movies i know yeah. you know it's never been better to have something air on netflix or stream something yeah um, they're exactly s- they're streaming theater shows as well i know it doesn't yeah, really as in them. like yeah theater shows mm. not movies not movies yeah live action theater shows <laughs> live action theatre shows, yeah. Well, I was in a play that closed because of of the coronavirus. If you didn't know, I think we've mentioned this a couple of times, Matty D is in fact an actor and he has personally been affected (laughs) since his show, which was just about to open, (laughs) has been closed indefinitely. Yeah. What a waste of time learning those lines. Well, you're still going to do the (laughs) show, I'm still going to do the show, presumably, yes. People seem to think that everything is shut down permanently, like we'll never make another Hollywood movie again or we'll never have bars again. But this is only a temporary thing, of course. Mm. Well, hopefully, hopefully. But yeah, so it, it affected me in a, in a way but also a lot of people who you know worked in the theatrical community especially people who that's their main source of income and in a way it kind of affected our show since mm-hmm. every movie that we've talked about in the last couple of weeks has been delayed until at least August yes. if not next year yes so we won't be able to do revisited for these episodes that we've just recently covered until way off down the track sometime next year if the show's still going on at this point so we might have to crack down and do our revisits for all the other shows yeah exactly <laughs> wow how exciting how exciting but you see the thing is there's still trailers out there there's still movies that exist that just haven't come out yet Mm -hmm. we can still predict movies no issue because it's not going to really affect how accurate we are since we are basically just making informed guesses with our plots so we can still predict movies that are up and coming it's just we're not going to see them for a really long time yeah as you teased before they are deciding to release some movies to streaming so they'll release them for the price of an admission ticket so the average price is around 14 to 20 dollars You can watch a new release at home. For example, I think Bloodshot was just released on Video On Demand for about $20. The Invisible Man was released on Video On Demand. Just get those movies out there. 
Yeah. Let's get rid of them. And well, they already were in cinemas, so they've already made a profit that way, but they're trying to make up for it in other countries where they have been affected already by making the difference up on video on demand. Now, my understanding was the cinema didn't make its money on necessarily ticket sales, but made their money on like the candy bar and things like that, which is so. Are you kidding me? Do you reckon? <laughs> well, 90%, I'd say 95% of the profit come from the ticket sales oh, okay. themselves. Well, there you it's go. not like they're making a huge amount from the chock tops. I thought I thought they would. I thought that would be a loss. No, no, of course not. The movies themselves, they don't make any money from the sale of the popcorn. So that's why the ticket prices are generally so high. Because yeah, you're going right. to cover the cost of what you're viewing as well as where you're viewing it, the Fair cinema. Enough. So there is a chance that we may see a lot of the movies that we've covered on this show. I'm guessing Scoob, to go to a recent example, we may see it come to video on demand. So we might still see it at home before it comes to cinemas, but at this stage, we don't know. Yeah, Most of them, they're just playing it safe and pushing it back till August. Yeah, and again, no one really knows what is going to happen. So yeah. I guess everyone's sort of in the dark, I guess, in what's what the future holds. So from what we understand, all we really need is just a month or so of... Or at least two weeks of isolation and yeah. social distancing to cut down the number of new people affected and then potentially like stamp out and stem. What, what do the they call it? The uh, stopping the curve. Flattening the flattening curve. Flattening the curve, that's right. Um, yeah, I've, I've heard that. I've heard it'll be a six-month period, you know. it's Well, when you hear new information every day, yeah. nothing is concrete, yeah. nothing is fact. So. That's right. How are you finding it personally? I deviate? haven't been affected at all. <laughs> So we're currently in my place of work. So, And by the way, we are practicing social distancing. Yeah. I washed my hands before, you know, entering. Coming into the studio. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're safe, everybody. And we typically sit pretty far apart anyway. Yeah. Manny D is basically on the other side of the room to yeah. me right now. It's because I don't like you, so. Yeah. I mean, in the early episodes, we did joke that we were sitting on each other's lap, but I can tell you that that has never been the case. No. Only in our well, dreams. Well, yeah. Only off air. <laughs> Not during the show. We're professional. But yeah, I am, if I've never actually said this on the show before, but I am a podcaster by trade. I am a professional podcaster. What a so nice little advertisement for your, uh, my you business. Know, your well, business. Well, I'm not really advertising. Well, if people out there are interested, and you, I, I pretty much stay anonymous on this show aside from my first name, but if you know how to track me down, if you want to track me down on the Facebook page or we something like that. We have a variety of platforms for people to reach uh, Kieran. If you want to put your own show out there and want me to produce it, I'm more than happy to. Dude, I saw an advertisement on Facebook for... Or like how to do online podcasting, like not pod- oh, really? online podcasting, but how to like create your own podcast. So I think there's going to be a new batch of podcasters because they're f- like from home. So they're yeah. like, oh, I've got nothing else to do. I may as well learn how to do a podcast. Oh God. I what love is that, that going to a- do for the quality of oh, podcasts? Jeez, I don't know. But I love how uh, that's something- Here's the Isolation Podcast episode 249. <laughs> Today I watched that Tiger show on Netflix with the crazy guy. <laughs> but they're doing a course. <laughs> we didn't do a course. Yeah. I mean, you did a course, but- Yeah, well, yeah, of course. I didn't do like a podcasting course. <laughs> I certainly did not do a podcasting course. We're going to be competing against people that have degrees. Scary. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> we actually, we both have degrees. We both have degrees, but a podcasting degree. Oh, uh, podcasting. That's what I should do. I should open it like a, a podcast. <laughs> university i'll be the lecturer what a great idea there you go Ooh, I so you consider that so, so yeah i haven't been affected at all because right. basically editing and creating podcasts is just you do it at home anyway or you do it in a studio you're not really you don't have to be face to face with a lot of people mm. unless you have meetings but they can be done over zoom anyway yeah definitely or skype or any live streaming platform of your choice so there's there is there one thing that you miss a lot like the i'm bars. guessing the bar <laughs> you're gonna say that <laughs> What about you, Maddie D? 
Um, been going? I know that you've had a lot of huge changes. Yes, yes. Well, like as as I mentioned, I was working on a play and I do a lot of sort of acting stuff outside this show, which has pretty much all been cancelled, postponed, whatever you want to call it. And there's a lot of things happening for me that I'm doing online. So that seems to be the opportunities going forward. Uh, I am currently working from home, which is something I've never done before in my mm. life. So that's an experience. And how are you finding it? Look, this is like the end of your first week of working from home, right? I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I, Look at this. I was Look um, at this. I, you Welcome know, to the club. You know me, I've Kieran. been doing it for years. I, I was always adamant. I was like, I'm never wanting to work from home. I always wanted to separate my work from my like life. Yeah, there had from to be, your home life. There had to be a direct line there. But so far, I'm finding, because I work in an office and, I'm, yeah. and I hate it. The job is good. I shouldn't pay it out too much. But like, I, I don't like the office environment. And it's a lot less stressful and a lot less pressure working from home. Like, I kind of can't. How so? I don't know. It just, it, I'm doing the same work, but it just feels more it's just relaxed. in your underpants. Yeah, it's just, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I'm not minding it too much. Um, it is my first week, so we'll see how we go. But I was thinking I was going to really hate it. There's some parts of it that are a bit, you know how like when you're working with somebody, you can always just go up and ask a stupid question. Yeah, yeah, And exactly. it's like, no big deal. But now, or be like, hey, by the way, just letting you know this one thing happened, no big deal. Now that those kind of conversations have, have to happen via an email or via or a, phone, like, call. a phone call. And yeah. So that's awkward. And when things go wrong and you don't have anybody there, that's awkward. But that that's few and far between. So I'm dealing with it the best way I can and I'm not I'm not hating it at the moment. It's are you it's keeping just a right fairly now. relaxed environment? Like are you putting some music on in the background? Have you got yourself yeah. a nice little snack and a tall cup of coffee? Yeah, yeah. And just chilling out. I don't exactly know what your work entails, but like <laughs> I'm sure that you could find a way to like sort of just veg out and take it as it comes well, and not know, get too stressed about I, it. I, I do work hard still, but yeah, I just make my environment as accommodating to me as I can. And I think, you know, that's what we have to do at all of us, right? Is to make our sort of make the best of a bad situation. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, my life has been affected a lot. I've been practicing social distancing, so I don't see a lot of people, I don't go a lot of places, and yeah. I'm a pretty busy guy He's on the not regular. Making out with women at the club every weekend. No, I can't do that. Tinder has dried up. Yeah. No one wants to come around. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they didn't before, but you know, now it's because of the virus. So in regards to working from home, I know I know this is a movie talk show and we're yet to really talk about movies, <laughs> yep. but I am curious personally, and yep. I'm sure someone out there might be as well. How do you separate your home life from your work life if you are forced to work at home? So what I've personally speaking, what I've done is I've taken advice from you actually, where oh, I set up a routine where I get up, I have a shower, I get dressed. Yeah. Um, all jokes aside, I actually do get dressed for work. So I'm like Do you dress like in casual clothes or do you wear like a suit? Because I know you generally wear like pretty office I, I ready clothes. Clothes, I typically. wear I wear casual. I don't wear office wear because right, I okay. don't really need to. But yeah. I like put on shoes and I make sure it's like right. Yeah, I'm yeah. at work now. And when I finish work, at least when I I did it for this week, where I fin and when I finish work on Friday, I packed all my stuff, my computer, my the stuff I use for work because they provided that stuff for me. I put it all in a box and I put it downstairs, out of sight, out of the way. And I was like, it's done. This is my weekend. And that for that's, me, that's smart. Psychologically separates that you know, work and home world for me. Yeah, it puts that mental divide there. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, That's good. That's for, smart. for me, having a routine, but knowing when it's off, it's off. I start at, you know, for example, I start at 8.30, I finish at 4 and it's done. Yeah. And uh, after, as soon as I finish work, I go for a run, which I'm still allowed to do, thank God, which is a good sort of unwinding yeah. for me. Well, you're by yourself, so. 
Yeah. It's all smart. It's, it's funny because there's a few people running because the gyms are closed, which is a very sad day, but completely understandable. But running with other people, <laughs> you can see like you're coming up to somebody and you can see they're thinking the same thing yeah, as you. Uh-oh. And like they, <laughs> you run uh-oh. around them in the most yeah. elaborate way. <laughs> Oh dear, yes. So I'm glad that you apparently took my advice. It was great advice. I've been working home, as I mentioned before, for several years now. And then when I first started doing it, I found that I really struggled to separate typical at-home day from working. So Mm -hmm. I found it really hard to be productive. But now after so many years of getting used to it, I can just... Well, basically, I enjoy the work that I do so much now that it doesn't feel like I'm at work. So I'm essentially choosing to do work as a part of my general at-home activity. So yep. it never feels like I'm at work. It just feels like I'm... You're living the dream, Kieran. Yeah, it feels like I'm on holidays all the time. Well, they call it... You don't, you don't work in a day in your life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know you have worked a day in your life. You've yeah, had exactly. other jobs as well. So that's the real mental difference for me at the moment. But the only real change is I can't go to a bar anymore. <laughs> Which we used to do on the regular after, yeah. after a show. There was nothing better I than actually... can't go down to a restaurant and tuck into a meal. Can't go to a fast food restaurant and grab a burger. Mm. Uh, seeing family as well, like... That's also something that's more difficult. But I'm finding that people are putting more effort in to catch up, even if it's digitally. Really? So I'm talking to my family a lot digitally. I'm talking to my friends a lot digitally. So even if it's just like a face call. Yeah. You or know, just a phone call. And we're all in the same position. So we're all kind of looking out for each other, which is kind of yeah. comforting. It's not like one person's in this bad spot. You know, yeah. well, being someone awesome. I work with did say the other day that it's probably smarter to do face to face conversations, even if it is via the internet, mm. just to put a human element, a human level of interaction to your day to day life so you don't feel as isolated. Yeah. So a phone call can always be suffice, but seeing somebody and speaking directly to them is just, I don't know, a bit more warming and Absolutely. a bit more comforting in a Absolutely. way. Absolutely. I think that's important. And also trying to do things that you may not have otherwise had the opportunity to do just to keep yourself busy to do fun things, you know? And speaking of, that is something I miss. I miss the bar business meetings. Typically once a month, I'll meet up with my clients in like a restaurant or a bar (laughs) and we might knock a few back and laugh a bit and then Mm. maybe talk about work for like 15 seconds. Mm. And then other than that, just, you know, hang out. So I do miss that. Yeah, but all stuff that's quite small in compared to... and, And we're not, thank God, we don't have this thing, so... Yeah, you know our lives have. Well, we're been actually quite lucky, as I said. I haven't really been affected. You haven't really been affected, aside no. from having to work from home and not being able to go to the gym. But there are literally people out there who don't have jobs anymore. Mm-hmm. They can't work until the indefinite future. So yep. they don't have an income. They're stuck at home. They're miserable. And what do they do to pass the time? They're watching movies. They're watching TV, which yep. I think leads us directly to the meat and potatoes of this episode. We're going to be talking all about what you should be watching while you're stuck at home and what themed movies, like if you're interested in seeing people suffering in the same way that you are in the fictional world, mm. what exactly should you be watching? What a good time to binge movies. Yeah, exactly. What a good time to watch The Irishman. I know all of you have I've avoided that movie because it's really long. Yeah. Me and Kieran have watched it. Now you can go watch The yeah. Irishman. <laughs> Manny D and I are actually big fans of The Irishman. I love that movie. So yeah, everyone should be watching it. Put your Scorsese bias aside, yep. you Marvel fans, and settle in and watch a good movie for a change. Whoa, did I just say that out loud? <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't trying to... I'm, I was saying, you know, now that you've got the time to watch a long, decent movie, feel free to. Watch The Godfather, you know? Mm. 
I have, I still haven't watched it yet. I have the extended cut of the first two movies edited it into one movie. So oh, nice. I can't remember what it was called. How long called, does it go but, for? Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola did a TV show version of The Godfather where he basically took the extended versions of both movies. So he added in the additional scenes and remastered them and edited it into like a chronological Godfather movie. It's called The Godfather Epic. So if you look up The Godfather Epic, you'll find it. And I managed to track down like a high quality bootleg version of it mm. and bought it. And it goes for six hours at least. But I think I've got it separated over two discs. So it's two three-hour discs. So I'd probably watch it in two three-hour yeah. scenes rather than one long six-hour I think six you could do that day. with that movie. Like that's yeah. what I did with The Irishman. And that was, yeah. that was fun. That was about three and a half hours, wasn't it? Mm, yeah. But yeah, but you broke it up, didn't you? Yeah, I just watched a bit at a time. I watched it in one long sitting. So. You crazy man. But I'm used to that. So a lot of people, I really wanted to get into this discussion before we started making recommendations. But yeah. a lot of people have this whole argument where do you get more out of watching TV shows when you're sitting at home binging or do you get more out of watching movies? Like you could watch a string of three movies rather than a season of a TV show. So a lot of people, believe it or not, a lot of people that I speak to don't even watch movies these days. They say they get more satisfaction out of binging a TV show rather than going to the cinemas and watching a movie or renting a movie and mm. watching it at home or even buying it on DVD. I know people who don't even own DVDs oh, or Blu-rays. What, what's that relic? Yeah, exactly. I have a, like quite an extensive <laughs> library and I think it's a small library. I've only got a couple of hundred DVDs and Blu-rays and I want more, but a lot of people have completely, they'll throw away their old DVDs and they'll just say, yep, from now on I'm just streaming and I'm just streaming TV shows. Mm. I what's guess, your thought on this? Well, I think just in relation to people moving towards TV and this this is a very blanket statement, but I think a lot of the movies that are coming out are very, or that were coming out, I should say, past tense, have been either superhero They'll come movies. out again. As, as, we, as we've said, I think the quality of TV shows are really great right now. It's the yeah. best it's ever been. And it, in a lot of ways, and there's exceptions to this, but in a lot of ways, they're surpassing the stories that cinema is coming out with. Yeah. Cinema is pandering to a, to a certain audience, yeah. but TV is kind of really breaking the mold. So I can see why people want to watch TV. I'm Netflixing TV shows. I, I enjoy that. I, it depends on what mood I'm personally in. There'll be some times that I really feel like, particularly nights and afternoons, I'll be like, I'll put on a movie or I'll put on a movie and watch bits of it. Yeah, because a movie sort of feels like an event. Mm. Specifically to me, like, you know, I, I don't want to break up a movie like I would a TV show. I don't want to leave a movie halfway through. It depends so, on the movie, though. Yeah, I want to take the time. If I'm going to watch a movie, I'm going to sit down and enjoy it and it's going to be one session. Yeah. Maybe not the Godfather epic, the six-hour version, but yeah, yeah. Typically, you know, I'm going to take it in and I'm going to absorb it. It's going to take my full attention. Yeah. Well, I'm usually watching things, if it's outside of this show, I'm usually watching things because I'm eating. So I'm, I watch while I eat dinner yeah. or breakfast yeah, or I'm something like that. Um, lately, I've been watching a lot of news when I've been eating yeah. just to work out what the hell's yeah. going on. My girlfriend's been doing that. Which So I, I usually go to a TV show, which I'm enjoying shows like Chef and shows like that. I'm yeah. enjoying cooking shows now. And like, could they put you in the mood to eat? Yeah. While I eat my like oats, I'm watching somebody cook something really like immaculate. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I still enjoy watching movies, yeah. but I, and I don't. Well, mind everyone should know at this point that Maddie D and I are both movie fans, so mm. we're sort of preaching to the choir. And if you listen to the show, you're probably a movie fan as well. Yeah. But there are a lot of people out there who I guess aren't our audience who prefer TV and just don't watch movies because sure. the status of movies versus TV shows has sort of flipped in the last. 10 to 15 years because TV shows used to be like cheap, fun entertainment that you just use to fill the time while movies you go there for in-depth stories that you know are emotional and are artistic but that's completely flipped in the last few years where movies you know they'll draw you into a gimmick movie the movies are supposed to be cheap, quick entertaining popcorn fluff for the most part for the most part 
while your TV shows are where you go for your in-depth, emotional, character-driven stories. Well, I mean, you have the time to build that story. Yeah, that's right. So you can dedicate time to creating a more satisfying narrative overall through several hours of a TV show versus the 100 minutes within a typical Hollywood movie. Yeah, and I know you weren't a particular fan of this series, but when Game of Thrones was running hot before the last (laughs) season, and I know that's a very controversial season there, but that was almost an event onto itself, and that was a TV series, and people were hanging on each episode so well there's tons of tv shows that you could use as examples absolutely absolutely very much just because game of thrones is the only one you've seen i suppose that's your go-to example well i guess game of thrones was what i the example i used because for for a while because that was quite big as a cultural yeah you know pop culture movement almost yeah exactly uh me personally never having seen an episode completely breezed by me (laughs) exactly yeah but i don't think i'll ever watch the show now now you have the time (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly but now i don't think i'll ever watch it because i just heard that it was completely unsatisfying overall. Well, look, I they cocked it up at the end. A friend of mine at work watched. This a isn't whole a review of Game of Thrones, by the way. But they still, liked it. So, if anyway. you dedicate it enough, if you like it enough, I think you can forgive like a sloppy mm. ending. But anyway, we're not here to talk about TV shows. We're here to talk about movies. Interestingly enough, what I've been doing at the moment, I did this before the virus started. I've challenged myself to watch a hundred years worth of movies. I might do your challenge as well, since we did. You want to watch the same movies? That'd be interesting. Yeah, right. I can send you the full list that I've been right. watching. You're going to have a um, tough time with that I can Uh, guarantee you are you going to link uh, the movies you've watched to this show? I might do it when I'm finished. Okay. I think I'll share all the movies that I've watched when I've finished the challenge. But essentially the challenge that I set myself was I'm going to watch one movie from each year of the last hundred years worth of movies. So I started at 1920. I'm not particularly going in order, so I might jump from 1922 to 1974 to 2002, just depending on what my mood is. But essentially, if I feel like I should be watching a movie for the challenge, I'll go in release order. So I'm currently at the 50s. Mm-hmm. So I've worked my way through the 20s, the 30s, the 40s. I'm currently at the start of the 50s. Were they fun? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 20s so, and 30s? There's so, some gold there, man. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm typically, I decided to watch movies that I haven't seen before or really don't know much about. So I'm going in fresh. So Because you I, watched that Buster Keating uh The General, thing. yeah. I watched yeah. The General Buster Keating. Which I've always wanted to see. A Charlie Chaplin movie. Now, another thing I challenged myself with, I wasn't going to watch like a series of movies. I wouldn't count watching sequels. Like I could watch a sequel as a standalone, but I wouldn't watch like, for the example- Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, I wouldn't just watch all the Marvel movies or wouldn't just watch all the James Bond movies and have them count as the movies. Because that would be cheating. Exactly. I just wanted to do completely separate stuff with no follow-up movies or sequels. So at one point I was like, oh, should I watch the sequel to this? Or should I watch just another Buster Keaton movie? But I was like, no, I want to keep the variety as broad as possible and mainly just watch as much new stuff as possible. So rather than spending my time binging TV shows, typically if I've got a few hours free... I'm watching a movie rather than a TV show. So I'm really far removed from the world of Netflix and Stan at the moment. And Disney Plus. And Disney Plus, yeah, exactly. So while I do enjoy watching the odd TV show, at the moment I feel better about completing this challenge and then just filling my time with watching, I guess, as many movies from the last 100 years as possible. So yeah, that's what I'm doing instead of binging TV. And it gives you that opportunity to watch those movies that you kind of hear about and you're always like, oh, I really wanted to see that movie and yeah. now you have the time to now, actually another thing. I'm doing do it. with this challenge is I'm watching what's considered some of the, the best movies of those years, but at the same time, I'm watching some of the worst movies of each year. Oh, really? For example, if I come across a year, for example, 1975, where I've seen the top three or five movies from that year 
a hundred times and it's not worth, you know, I'm not going to get anything out of re-watching the movie. I'll go, what was one of the worst movies to come out of that year? So at least, you know, I can have a good time and I'll laugh and just see some movies that otherwise I would never see. Mm. And they can be almost funner. Yeah, exactly. Like you can get more out of a terrible movie than something that's really critically acclaimed, epic, and might potentially be boring by today's standards. Yeah. So that's me. That's what's going on in my world. Oh, thanks, but, thanks for sharing. But what I wanted to talk about, another thing that I really wanted to talk about in this episode was if you are interested in seeing people suffering through similar circumstances, be it a deadly viral pandemic or even just stuck in one isolated place, I just wanted to talk about the movies that we would recommend to people, the top three movies that we would recommend to people that are of a similar theme to what's going on in the world at the moment, even if it is in the loosest way possible. Mm. So I've come up with three movies that I would recommend watching that are similarly themed to what's going on in the world at the moment. And Matty D has also done the same. So what I thought we'd do is go through those three and explain what they are and what our thoughts are on them and just give some, I suppose, recommendations to people, either good or bad, just for stuff that people can watch if they want to see other people suffering through the same circumstances. (laughs) Sure, sure. Uh, Because I know there's been one movie recently, right? That's Yeah, Contagion. Contagion. Netflix has seen like a massive surge in popularity for that movie because I guess people are like gluttons for punishment and they want to see, I suppose, what it would be like if, you know, it was a way worse situation because obviously Contagion or movies like Outbreak aren't identical to what's going on. I mean, what's going on in the real world is quite mild in comparison, but they want to see, you know, how Hollywood deals with these real world events. Yeah. So what's your first movie, Maddie D? What would you recommend people watch if they're curious So I just want to preference this by saying that movies about viruses, just on a general note, I don't really like them. I don't really go out to watch them. Well, they can just be isolation movies or they can just be about people Mm. having to avoid being caught by something at least to to really stretch it out and hide out. Yeah, true. I guess I've seen a lot of them. They could even be apocalyptic. And they kind of merge together like the carriers. Have you seen that? No. I typically don't like these movies either. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I've seen a lot of them and I don't really like them, to be honest with you. But the first one I want to say that I would probably recommend, and I know some people don't like this movie, but I love 28 Days Later. I think it's a great apocalypse movie. Yeah, it's probably one of the... They're better zombie movies. What can you tell us about that movie? What's the plot and who created it? So it's one of Cillian Murphy's first... I think it was his first big movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the first starring role Um, for him, basically. And it's pretty cliche when it comes to like a zombie movie, but it's a guy that wakes up, the entire world is in a zombie pandemic. So basically, it's directed by Danny Boyle. Mm -hmm. Danny Boyle basically read the first few issues of The Walking Dead and said, I'll copy that. Mm -hmm. I'm joking, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if The Walking Dead came out You don't like Danny Boyle, do you? Not specifically, See, I I like him. I've never seen a Danny Boyle movie that I really like. That's my thing with him. So I just sort of write him off as a director that I don't really care did for. Did he do Train Spotting? Yeah, he did. And you didn't like that? No, not particularly. Really? Even this I thought both Train Spotting were really good. I thought it had a really terrible good. second half Train Spotting to be specific. The second half did get a little weird. I don't know. The whole movie for me still was great. I know I'm talking about Train Spotting instead yeah. of talking about 28 Days Later, but the second movie also is really good. T2. T2. Yeah, which was originally supposed to be called Porno, but of course they weren't going to release a movie called Porno yes. to mainstream cinemas, but yeah. they just called it Terminator 2. Sorry, T2. Cuz I, I think I think 
think that was what the book was. But yeah, I like Danny Boyle. Yeah. I mean, I can admit that he's had some flops. Like, I think he did Billions, which was... Was it Billions? That was terrible. But anyway. I don't know. Needless to say, 28 Days Later is one of his better ones. And So it's not really about zombies. It's about like a viral outbreak. So it's kind of appropriate mm. to what we're talking about. So yeah. people get this rage virus and they go berserk and they start killing other people, spreading the rage virus around. And our heroes sort of have to escape and isolate as much as possible. Yeah. Sorry, I'm stealing your thunder here. That's that's okay. And that's exactly right. And I, But I think what's cool about the movie is it pays a lot of homage to the old... Yeah. So we're, well, we're big, we're big Danny fans Boyle of- specifically said he was directly ripping stuff off, so... Yeah, well, you know. But it, it does. You could see it as direct homages or direct lifts it from... Works classic movies as well because I didn't want to say for one of my movies like Dawn of the Dead or something like that I don't know if you've said that mm, but because um, okay. like zombie movies for me aren't if the dead are walking it's not really a virus movie but this but one you definitely you could have is. an isolation movie that's a zombie movie okay I didn't even think about it yeah I guess so I guess so but yeah I would Dawn definitely... of the Dead it's not on my list but it's a great example for example people are stuck in isolation in a shopping mall for an extended period of time mm-hmm. trying to get away from a viral zombie pandemic outside mm-hmm. So think about it, it's a perfect example. Sure. But yep, 28 um, Days Later. Yeah, recommend it. A lot of fun, great soundtrack. Yeah, uh, it does movie. have a good soundtrack. What I will about, admit that. What about you? So the first movie on my list is actually one that I rewatched yesterday, which is 1971's The Andromeda Strain. Are you familiar with this at all? No. There was a TV miniseries in 2008 that you might have seen. But basically, the plot of this movie is like a lunar module, like a little satellite crash lands in a small town. The town local doctor opens it up and unwittingly releases a, an immediate deadly virus onto the small town. So as soon as people breathe in the air that's released from this satellite, they their blood turns to sand, essentially, and they die instantly. The government quickly finds out about this virus that's been released, and they close off the town. They send in people to investigate in hazmat suits. And the people in hazmat suits discover that there are people who have survived the virus. And so most of the movie, I'd say at least 90% of the movie takes place in a secure government research compound. So it's probably going to be boring for a lot of people because it's very technical. But essentially, they but you love that. Yeah. You love that, like, it's hunked, a 70s, in a, yeah, it's a, hunked in a lab. Yeah, it's a 70s movie as well, so it follows that typical 70s movie style and format uh, and storytelling techniques that you typically see in those movies. But, yeah, they essentially try and break down how the virus works, what is its cellular structure, how it affects people, and what is it about these people who have survived. Well, one of them's a baby that can tell them nothing, and the other one's a drunk who basically can tell them nothing. So what is it about these two people that makes them immune? from the virus like they completely break down everything by the way it's based on a book by Michael Crichton who you may remember wrote Westworld and Jurassic Park so it's a sort of if you've read any Michael Crichton books or if you've seen any movies based on his books you know everything starts off with the best intention and then it all quickly goes downhill for like a complete shit show at the end don't want to spoil the Andromeda strain for anyone who hasn't seen it, but things do get a little bit chaotic at the end. And there's definitely a few exciting moments in the last 15 minutes. Nice. Uh, does it star anyone notable? No. <laughs> I don't know anybody who appears in the movie. I don't recognize anybody at all Worth in the movie. checking out. I get cool. And if you're not into slow 70s dramatic movies, I might suggest, I didn't like it personally, but I might suggest watching the 2008 miniseries where they added more explosions and people crashing into stuff. Cool. And a bit more violence as well. (laughs) But 
way just worse for the modern special audience. effects. The special effects in the original movie are actually excellent, so that's why I'd recommend it over the 2008 miniseries because there's nothing that they won't throw CGI at in that movie. Mm. Uh, now, a little bit of trivia as well. The Andromeda Strain was one of the first movies to have a split-screen effect in it. Really? Yeah. And CGI. They had one of cinema's first rotating CGI models on a computer screen. I thought CGI was a different movie that was the first. Westworld, which was also a Michael Crichton mm. novel, but yeah, that was after The Andromeda oh, wow. Strain. Cool. And mind you, the CGI in Westworld, you could barely consider it CGI because it's basically they used a computer to make like a visual effect for like a robot's vision. So if you looked at it, it's just basically like a blurry screen and they call that the first ever use of CGI. <laughs> Still counts. But this is like a CGI rendered model that rotates, which was okay. the first time we'd ever seen that in mm. film. All right, what's your second recommendation? Alrighty, so I have a few actually. <laughs> I need to like. Well, we've got nothing but time. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. So I'm going to throw two out there because one of them is kind of. Yeah, I don't know if you'd call it virus related, but it's kind of. Well, there. we left it pretty broad. So, so I, I we don't want to restrict anybody's viewing habits. I'd recommend uh, Nasaka and the Valley of the Wind, which is oh. a Studio Ghibli. Yeah, I was going to say, I've heard of that one. Never seen it myself. It's really good. I don't think it's about a virus per se, but it's a world where due to the humans polluting the world and causing wars, there's a toxic forest that is spreading. Oh, really? And if you go oh, into wait, this- Oh, I think I have seen this yeah, movie. Is if, that the one where they cut the head off like the giant god creature? Mm. It's like Billy Bob Thornton in the English version cuts the head off like this giant creature and it causes like this toxic spread. Or am I thinking of Princess Mononoke? You're thinking of Princess Mononoke, yeah. which I would also suggest as well. And I also thought about because it was almost- But I was like, that's kind of a spirit more than a virus- but yeah, we're being broad here. Very, very good movie as well. In fact, I'll recommend both movies. But yeah, yeah Nasaka is a pretty fun movie. It's about this toxic forest is spreading. There's uh, large insects and bugs that attack humans. Mm. And it's about how the people, the humans left remaining, deal with it. And it's told in a way that it's not good versus bad. It's about... right how we sort of come together and deal Humanity with it. versus nature. Yeah, but you know, For nature and bad. Nature isn't painted as the bad. Yeah, of course. You know, so neither are humans. Neither are humans. Right. So I think they it's a very eloquent way to sort of talk about a lot of issues that are pretty prevalent at the moment. Yeah. And I would dare say that Mononoke, uh, you could say the same thing for as well. And that's an excellent movie. movie. I have seen that one. Both great movies. In fact, all those movies are fantastic. And the other movie I wanted to mention, and this is more in the isolation side of things, is uh, Castaway. Oh, yeah. What a perfect example. I cannot say I'm a massive... Because good old uh, Tom Hanks has been living it right here in Sydney. Because he's been stuck. He has gone home as of yesterday. Yes. But he contracted the virus. He was one of the first celebrity, one of the first notable celebrities to contract it. He and his wife, I think they contracted it while they were here in Australia. Mm -hmm. Somehow, probably just traveling on planes, going through airports would be my guess. But they had to stay in their hotel here for two weeks. So yeah, he was probably creating a little Wilson ball to talk to they, when he was sick of talking to his wife. The hotel staff sent him that. Oh really? Yeah, sent him a Wilson ball. He, uh, That's interesting. He uh, yeah posted it on Instagram or someone sent it to him. Yeah. So yeah, I'd, I'd recommend Castaway though. Yeah, Castaway. I mean, that's a very slow movie. It's it's very overhyped. But it's directed by oh, I can't remember his name off the top of his head, but the same guy who did Forrest Gump and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm, I can't remember either. Robert Robert Zemeckis. That's it. Yeah. Okay. But I I do think with Castaway the strength of that movie is the ending. Yeah. I, I really think it has a real strong ending. So I think the ending is too long, personally. I don't know. I, I really... Like, I want the movie to be over when he leaves the island. By the way, if you're not familiar with it, he is stuck on an island. I mean, we just spoiled it. Potential spoilers. We just spoiled the fact that he gets off the island. But for the first half of the movie, he's stuck on an island. 
second half of the movie, he's sort of like recovering. He's trying to pull back the pieces of his mm. life that he left behind. And that's the part of the movie I love. That's the part of the movie I don't like. Uh, we do this, right? Like yeah. We have like opposite opinions of what yeah. the best part of the movie is. But you might well, find like it very slow. That's the emotional heart of the movie. Because mm. his wife thinks he's dead, has remarried, so on and so forth. Yeah. I recommend if you're sitting down to watch it, just power on through if it's not for you. Because I personally think the ending is great. But Are you saying you know, the island stuff is really boring for you? Like him yes. trying to survive and yeah. hold on to his sanity I, on the island? I didn't like that movie for ages because I watched the first bit and I was like, I don't, I don't really care for this. And then I never watched it again and someone forced me to watch it. So I sat down and watched the whole thing and was like, still not my favorite movie of all time, but I can really respect it and I actually yeah. really enjoy it knowing what it is about it at its heart. So yeah. those two movies I'd recommend. And I suppose it is going to appeal to a lot of people who are trying to find like hope in a dark place. They're exactly. stuck in isolation. Exactly. They're trying to watch someone else stuck in isolation and deal with it. So maybe they'll be inspired to make their own little Wilsons or... <laughs> their own Wilson counterparts and yeah. do their own dental surgery. And at least, and hopefully you are, isolated in your house with a whole bunch of resources around you rather yeah. than being stuck on an island because yeah. I know I would quickly die, personally. I yeah, would, me too. I would not last long. I certainly wouldn't knock my own molar out with an ice skate. Oh my God, I, that's such a brutal scene. So the next movie that I wanted to talk about was, believe it or not, we actually sort of mentioned another movie in the series before, is 1985's Day of the Dead by George A. Romero. Really? That's funny you is should that mention that. Is that on your list as well? That was going to be my third movie, yeah. yeah Do you want so to talk about it together ha- yeah, then? we're going to have a joint discussion on sure. it then. So obviously it's a sequel to, I think it's 1975 or 76? No, 78. 1978's Dawn of the Dead. It didn't have the same budget as Dawn of the Dead did. But it also didn't have the same sort of like acclaim or distribution that Dawn of the Dead did as well. Like people weren't really excited about a sequel to that movie. So it was a compromised vision from the start. So it was originally, if you read the original script, it was supposed to be about a bunch of survivors who come across an island with zombies who are being controlled by a mad scientist. So he builds like computers. That is very different to what the movie turned out to be. He builds computers into their brains and can control them like an army, like a personal army. So it's basically just like these survivors versus this mad scientist. That kind of sounds cool to be yeah, honest with you. Yeah, they sort of whittled it down to what the movie actually is. So it's a bunch of scientists and a bunch of soldiers living together in a bunker trying to hold on to their sanity while the world, everyone basically in the world, has all been turned into zombies. There's no hope for humanity left, but they are trying to find a cure or at least trying to find out how the zombies work. Mm. Now, personally, this is my favourite zombie movie ever made. Yeah. Um, and the reason I it's think... Definitely it's definitely one of my top five. Yeah, the reason I think it's so special is because it's told so differently you don't get a lot of zombie action it's about no. how and the people... zombie action that is in the movie is excellent and it's visually probably... speaking yeah it's excellent. probably the goriest zombie movie i've ever seen yes but for the most part it's these people who are the last presumably remaining members of society yeah trying to negotiate and live together and you've got the army who really just They're like to... jocks yeah, and the scientists. They want to like rape and nerds. kill everybody. Yeah. And I guess we can all imagine the world kind of coming to that in this sort of situation. Yeah. Why can't we get some of that hot loving? Also, me and Kieran personally like it because there's a guy yeah. in there that looks like a cross between both him and me. So I think his name is Joe Polito, if, the actor's if, name. If we unfortunately has recently passed away. Oh, did he? Yeah. That's sad. This was about a year or two ago right. that he died, but completely. He was great in that by. movie, though. Hey. Yeah. He was a lot of now, fun. Now, the acting is take it or leave it in the movie. 
movie. Like, nah, it's great. I wouldn't say it's the best acting in the world, but I think Matty D and I personally get a lot of kicks out of it, yes. whether it's good or bad. I think it's up for you to decide. Mm. Now, a lot of people may not like it. They may go in expecting something more along the lines of Neither Living Dead or Dawn, Dawn of the, of the Dead. Dead. It's a similar vibe, but it's more about the isolation and the interactions with people in that environment, more so than the zombies. But mind you, there is a very exciting 15 minutes at the end that involves a lot of zombies. Mm. So, yeah. That's Particularly one. Yes. One oh, star yes. zombie. We can talk about him. There's a zombie called Bub, who is like the first zombie that they've come across that shows signs of human intelligence. So, they capture this zombie. They try yeah. to work out what makes him tick and how, you know, how to yeah. cure him almost as well. And eventually, they figure out that they can teach him things. Yeah. So, not all zombies are the same as Bub, but Bub seems to retain a lot of his humanity where he can learn things as a zombie and he also doesn't attack everybody just blindly. Mm. And yes, he has an interesting character arc as the movie goes on as well, leading and to some of the best, if not the best scenes in the movie. Also appears in The Walking Dead if there's any yeah. Walking Dead And Land fans. of the Dead. In the oh, sequel really? to Day of the Dead, he has a cameo in Land of the Dead there you go. where he's played by Simon Pegg of all people. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, since we have the same movie, can I just throw some honourable mentions out? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I haven't finished my list yet, but yeah, if you want to throw one out, because I've got honourable mentions as well. Oh, okay. Or should I do mine and then we'll go into honourable mentions? Okay. Yeah, do yours. So my was last the third movie, one, wasn't it? No, that was my second one. Oh. Because you did two in a row. Oh, yeah. Well done, Matty D. Well, no, we did. I did 28 Days Later. Yeah. Then I did Castaway slash Nasica. Yep. Then Day of the that Dead. That was two movies. And then what did you do? You did Andromeda Strain. And then you did. And that was it. Oh, okay. Because you just plowed in. And then Day of the Dead. Yeah. And then you got your third one. Yep. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Go on. So you're probably going to be surprised by this choice, but I actually racked my brain for a good third suggestion. I wanted to go to something that I think is really good, but I don't think a lot of people have seen. Mm hmm. And I was thinking, it doesn't have to be virus-related. I think isolation is probably the thing that most people relate to at the moment. Now, the movie that I chose was 1978's Midnight Express. I didn't even consider that. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. It's directed by Alan Parker, who, weirdly enough, this will relate to you and I, Matty D. He directed the Wall movie, Pink Floyd's The Wall That's movie. Great. That's a great movie. But it's based on the non-fiction novel by Billy Hayes. So can you explain the plot briefly to anybody out there who yeah, may sure. not have so heard of it? It's loosely based on a true story, and I do mean loosely. Um, yeah. And it's about Billy Hayes, who's a young man who goes overseas, travels to it's Turkey he goes to, correct? Istanbul, I it's think. Istanbul. And he smuggles drugs into the no, country. No, it is Turkey, sorry. Yeah, okay. It's a Turkish prison. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So he comes comes into Turkey, he smuggles drugs. No, no, he's leaving Turkey. He's smuggling drugs back to oh, the US. Oh, does he, he's going the other way, right? Yeah. In any way, he, he gets caught smuggling drugs. Yeah. He gets imprisoned in a Turkish prison. He's an American citizen. Um, the legal system there seems to indicate that he'll be released soon. He should be fine. That does not yeah. happen. He Within spends, a year. Yeah, exactly. But He's the Turkish government ends up wanting to make an example of him. Mm. So they want to teach a lesson to everybody else in the world who might want to smuggle drugs out of the country. So they're like, this guy will be our example. Yep. We're going to throw the book at him. Yeah especially because he's an American person as yeah. well, symbol of that as well. And he struggles in a system, a, a Turkish prison that yeah, is... It's completely different to US prisons or any other Western uh, yeah. prisons that you might have seen in TVs and movies. Yeah. Or maybe if you're lucky, you might have experienced in your own life. Yeah. Hello to any listeners who are cons. Well, the original Billy Hayes came out and said that this wasn't an accurate depiction of Turkey. Yeah. It wasn't an accurate depiction of the prison system or the prison guards. Or his time in jail. Or his time in jail. Um, he actually wrote 
wrote a book about it if you want to actually... That's what the movie's based on. Midnight very Express. loosely, yeah. very loosely based on if you want to read about his actual account. So take it with a grain of salt, but as a, as a story... It makes for a great movie, As though. a movie, and John Hurt's in it as well, yeah, isn't he? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but as a movie, it's it's amazing. Great soundtrack. We both yes. love the soundtrack. Giorgio Moroda's soundtrack. The, the acting in it is, is great. Yep. The prison itself, the way it looks, the way it feels is horrifying i'm just i'm just taking this from you but like yeah i love this movie i didn't even think about it yeah great great movie would recommend it like with every other example that we've mentioned it's about a man struggling with his sanity stuck in a strange location stuck in isolation away from his family and yeah he definitely does struggle with his sanity if anyone knows the famous billy scene that they've parodied so many times yeah i would not recommend it to everyone because it is intense yeah i i enjoyed i know kieran that ending though that ending is there anything more uplifting that that than that last shot than those last few moments anyone who's seen the ending of midnight express will appreciate this but i sent that scene to kieran when i left a really unpleasant job yes <laughs> yes and i think i feel i can hear the music in my head whenever i leave a situation that i feel like i'm stuck in forever and then you finally leave and that overwhelming feeling of relief that mm. washes over you can only the only time i've ever seen it visually depicted accurately in a movie is the ending scene or the ending shot of midnight express yeah it's it's almost to draw a parallel like shawshank redemption yes but, um i think i think this movie is a lot more gritty and a lot yeah. more Shawshank Redemption seems like a fun time compared to Midnight Express (laughs) which you know I'm a fan of Shawshank as well but yeah this movie a lot of people may have not heard of it it's worth a watch definitely we actually named an old radio show we did to know a little bit of our our history we named it the Midnight Express because we were on the midnight hour (laughs) because that's that's all we could fit like they were just like oh we'll just throw them on the midnight shift yeah exactly so we originally did a radio show as many d mentioned where we went from about geez i think it was about 10 p.m to 1 a.m yeah a time slot that didn't exist before and so like what a better title what better title can you think of than the midnight express because we were taking you directly and smoothly into the midnight hour yes i mean it's not really related to what happens in the movie but yeah it's a good name yeah. Let's get into honorable great, mentions. Great choice. Great choice. I love that. Did you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. All right. Well, I want to throw a few honorable mentions. I want to say there's a movie called Blindness, which I'm not a particular fan of, but in concept, it's really cool. The idea is it's a virus that makes people blind. Really? They round up all the people that this has affected and put them into like that a would facility be awful. together. I'd rather die, to be honest. <laughs> people are blind and they manage to live you know, yeah. happy, comfortable lives. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, I take Mark, it back. Mark Ruffalo is uh, is in that movie. Oh, the Hulk. Exactly. Exactly. So it's I, I wouldn't say it's so an alright movie. You personally, it's, don't it's like the movie. It, I, I didn't mind it, but I like the concept of it. I f- think it's an interesting concept. Also, want to say the Quiet Place as oh, a yeah. movie that dealt with isolation that which was we've pretty recent. Talked about the sequel on this show. Yeah, which I really enjoyed. So I think it's a Quiet Place, but that's just a nitpick. That's uh <laughs> exactly. So that's probably wow, a movie that's, that's a perfect that's, example too. Yeah, it's it's a little bit more easily accessible. So I really enjoyed that movie. Yeah. Thought it was. If you um, want to hear our opinions on it, go back and listen to that mm. episode. I think we discussed it in depth. So mm. and uh, another isolation movie that almost as a metaphor could be a virus movie is Alien. Uh, the first one. Oh yeah, somebody. Well, on they're a... trapped in a singular yeah. location as well. They're on the spaceship, the Nautilus, I think it's called. No, not the Nautilus. That's the like that's Captain Nemo's submarine. It's the. No, it starts with an N. Oh, alien fans are going to hate me, but it starts yeah, with an N. 
But yeah, they're stuck on that ship trying to survive and keep their sanity while they're picked off one by one by a deadly alien. And for the majority of the time, it's just one person. Yeah, exactly. At least the last few thirds of the movie anyway. <laughs> Being chased by a hairdresser because the alien was a hairdresser. I thought it was like a ballet dancer slash lion. I thought, I thought he was a hairdresser. He could be. It could be the day job. They found this guy randomly. He wasn't an yeah. actor. He was, he was just a really a real tall, tall, slim guy. guy. Yeah, funny. Anyway, do you have some honourable mentions? Yes, I do. Now, the first one I wanted to mention was a movie that I watched the first time two days ago as a part of my 100 movie challenge list. This was a movie from 1948, a film noir of all movies, Mm -hmm. which I'm a huge fan of that genre. But it's a movie called Key Largo, which a lot of people may have heard of, but I'd never seen or really knew anything about it at all. So it's directed by John Huston. I'm sure you know John Huston. He was the bad guy from Chinatown, (laughs) as well as the the, the father of Angelica Huston. And a director of a lot of great movies. He directed The Maltese Falcon, if you remember that movie. Classic mm-hmm. film noir there as well. And it stars Humphrey Bogart, Lauren Bacall, of course, because they couldn't help doing movies together at this point. <laughs> and Edward G. Robinson, who is an actor who I wasn't familiar with until I started doing my 100 movie challenges. Because he keeps appearing in like every 40s movies and 30s movies that I come across. So if you're not familiar with Edward G. Robinson, he's like your stereotypical gangster actor. He sounds exactly like Chief Wiggum from The Simpsons. <laughs> Does he look like Chief Wiggum? A little bit. A little bit. He's a little lighter than Chief Wiggum's, but he has that voice. And he's the guy who cemented that, eh, wise guy stereotype with oh, like Hollywood gangsters. Is that's that where him. he came from? Yeah. Because in Key Largo, that's where the line comes from because he keeps calling Humphrey eh, Bogart. Yeah, wise guy. like, you're a wise guy, eh? That's where that comes from. But Key Largo, the movie itself, the reason I bring it up as an example, it's about Humphrey Bogart, who's a soldier returning from World War II. He's jobless. He has no money, has no prospects. So he's just traveling along, I guess, down to Key Largo where he he comes into a hotel and the hotel is overcome by a hurricane. So him and the rest of the characters are stuck in this hotel throughout the duration of the hurricane. And unbeknownst to him, Humphrey Bogart's character, that is, the hotel has been taken over by gangsters who are waiting for a boat to take them to Cuba. Of course, you can imagine where everything might reach the boiling point. So you've got Humphrey Bogart, an ex-soldier, about four or five gangsters, deadly gangsters, one of the biggest gangsters from the Prohibition era, who is Edward G. Robinson's character, as well as the hotel staff, one of which is played by Lauren Bacall. And they're all trapped together. Yeah, they're trapped together they have to deal with each other and things escalate from there essentially so the storm is a great metaphor for the tensions going on inside the hotel while they're trapped in there which leads to some great moments as well as you could probably imagine and yeah i really don't want to spoil it for anybody i i would strongly recommend it if you're into film noir or even just 40s movies in general i'd recommend it to everybody but it is considered one of the best movies to come out of the film noir genre as well as one of the best movies of 1948 that sounds interesting i want to watch that now you should it's a great movie and aside from that I suppose the other movies I'd recommend are probably Dog Day Afternoon, if you remember that, an Al Pacino classic where he's stuck in a bank for the whole movie, (laughs) waiting for the police to essentially storm in and kill him and his friends. No spoilers there. And I think that's it as far as honourable mentions go. In my regard. A thought came to me, Taxi Driver. Yeah, that's a great example. I mean, it, it's, it's not... It's self-imposed isolation. There's it, nothing to do with the virus, but yeah, I suppose, yeah, self-imposed isolation. He goes out, he visits a lot of places, he interacts with a lot of people, but it's isolation of a different kind. It's mental isolation. Mm. There you go. And why not throw in a mention for Bronson as well while we're there? Oh, yeah. The Tom Bronson. Hardy movie. Yeah, that's a great movie, but... Oh, I guess isolation because he's, in, he's yeah. in jail. Grappling with his sanity as he goes. Oh, I don't think he wins that battle, but still. <laughs> I'd just recommend a it because it's a Tom great movie. Tom Hardy performance. Yeah. I think it's one of the few Nicholas Winding Wren, is that his name? The guy did Drive. Mm-hmm. It's one of his few decent movies. Well, you like Drive. I like the first half of Drive. Yeah. Like a lot of people. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people like Drive, but yeah. 
I think it's half of a good movie. Yeah. But yes. So a lot of people, interestingly enough, when people say, what's a bottle movie? What's a bottle movie? So the entire movie takes place in one location. A lot of people bring up Reservoir Dogs as an example. But that goes outside. Yeah, but I know. But I find watching the movie, I watched it hundreds and hundreds of times now. It doesn't really take place in a bottle location. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on outside of the warehouse that that movie set in, as well as, you know, the interactions with characters. And we get to see lots of different characters point of views and their interactions with people outside the warehouse and the warehouse sort of becomes the catalyst point but I don't know why that's people's go-to examples of a movie in a single location because it's really the furthest from that if anything Tarantino's more recent The Hateful Eight is a better example of people stuck in a, in a location. Yeah. The Thing. The, the thing, thing. That's going to be my last example. John Carpenter's The Thing, or even really the remake, if you want to be generous, is a perfect example. You've got a deadly alien creature who can assume anybody's form. You could really see this as the perfect example because you don't know who's been infected, you could say, by the creature. So, and they're stuck in this Antarctic base, which creates the isolation. They're all stuck together with any person, anybody who amongst them who appears to be their friends could, in fact, turn out to be deadly. So just Think to about it. explain to the listeners at home, if you weren't familiar, the Hateful Eight was inspired by the thing. Which, yeah, that's right. When you realize you can almost draw the parallel, but I and just want to just explain your train of thought there. Ennio Morricone did the soundtrack. To, to a, what's that? Ennio Morricone did the soundtrack for both movies. Did he? Yeah. Oh, what a great guy. Like, what great soundtracks he does. Yes, exactly. I wouldn't say that The Thing or The Hateful Eight were his best soundtracks, but they're they're pretty good. They're pretty notable. And you can get The Hateful Eight on Netflix, at least if yeah. you're in Australia, you can. They've I don't got, know. I think the extended version of The Hateful Eight, I think they break it up into a TV series, but I well, might there you be go. mistaken. You can digest it as a TV yeah, series. It, it is quite long in both its cinematic and extended versions. So I think we've discussed it before on our Once Upon a Time in Hollywood movie. It's not our favorite Tarantino movie, but you can definitely go far worse as far as Tarantino is concerned. <laughs> yes. And I do have one more. I know that I said that the thing would be my last example, but one more example that I thought of just then. And while we're talking about John Carpenter, I just also want to recommend it. It's also a, of a similar theme, Assault on Precinct 13. Oh, yes. Isn't that a great final that example? That is. No, that's a bottle movie, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So it takes place in, of course, the titular Precinct 13. We've got the staff members in a police station trapped in by an attacking gang who want to come in and grab uh, a witness, essentially, a, a person who was involved in like a gang crime. He's there as a witness and they're protecting him and the gang want to burst in and kill him. So the whole movie is the police officers and some prisoners who are stuck in there with them having to sort out the differences and come together and prevent themselves from being massacred by these millions and millions of faceless gang members who have surrounded the police yeah, station. They're kind of built a fort and they're it's kind like of the Night in. of the Living Dead but with gang members. Yeah, yeah. And I know that's a sort of premise that's quite cliche now, but yeah. It was one of the this first is one of the first notable examples of that. It was originally going to be a Western. It was going to be banditos attacking like a sheriff station. You could easily see that yeah that was the original script right really yep and i think that will do it for our examples for movies yeah and that'll pretty much do it for our show so if you've got any examples of movies that we haven't mentioned that well, are perfect examples for what we've been discussing, yeah. isolation movies, virus movies, they can be either or. Tell us your favourite virus movie. Tell us a movie that you are looking forward to watch during yeah. social isolation. It might just be a long movie that you've been putting off that you finally got around to watching yeah. and you want to recommend it to everybody. For, for me, a good time killer. Exactly. For me personally, I'm looking at a lot of happy movies. I'm trying to yeah. boost my positivity. That's why I'm watching The Godfather epic. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. Makes me happy. Fair enough. Fair enough. My, my happy Sonny movie, as, as you know, is uh, Amelie. That's my happy oh, really? movie. Yeah, that's right. My favorite movie ever. So go watch that if you want a boost of positivity. Yeah. But let us know what your favorite movie to watch during social yeah. isolation is. Send us an email at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Facebook. Just do a search for Potential Spoilers Podcast. Leave us a comment on this episode's page on the Podbean site. Look for us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Maddie D manages those pages and he does a great job. Thanks, Kieran. And let us know what you think. Have you watched the movies that we've talked about? What are your thoughts? Are they good suggestions? <laughs> yes. Now, before we go as well, I want to mention what we're going to be predicting next week. We're going back to predicting movies, whether or not they actually come out anytime soon. We'll see. But the movie that we're predicting next week is the upcoming SpongeBob movie. Sponge on the Run. Oh, there you go. Yeah, Matty D had no idea that we were covering this movie. No, I did not. We were supposed to be talking about another movie. I believe we were supposed to be talking about Barbie. But yeah, I remember it that. It looks like that movie isn't being made anymore. Oh. It was supposed to be starring Margot Robbie. Yeah, it was. People. It may still be made, but it's definitely not being currently made. So, so. instead, we're going to watch SpongeBob. Yeah, we're going to be now looking the, at SpongeBob. This Sponge is an animated, on right? run. Yeah. yeah. So it sort of fits with our last episode, Scoob. So if you're keen on Scoob, <laughs> if you love SpongeBob just as much as Scoob, you may get a kick out of listening to what we have to say about SpongeBob. Yeah. Sponge on the run. Yeah. Uh, it seems like that's the only movies that are coming out are kids' movies animated. Yeah. <laughs> well, even they're being pushed back. But they're more likely to be released on video on demand because mm-hmm. children, they need to be staying at home in these times. Yes. So, yes. Before we go, everybody stay safe out there. Practice self-isolation. Absolutely. We don't need to tell you this. Everyone else is already telling Absolutely. you this. Uh, be kind to one another. Yep. Do things in your life that are fun and safe. Yep. Um, keep connections. Keep in contact with people, but doing so safe. And be nice to the people at your grocery store, please. Yes, they, please do. They are overwhelmed with work and not everyone is pleasant to them and they no. don't deserve it. So. So be considerate of them, be considerate of everybody, be safe, wash your hands. We're all in this together. And if you've lost your job, reach out to family, reach out to friends. You know, you may not be able to get back on your feet anytime soon, but just stay strong, mm-hmm. be safe. Yeah, if you're feeling a little down, reach out because we're all we're all in this together yes. and we all got to look out for each there's other. There's always people out there and who can support you. Absolutely. I'm sure. And there's I'm sure. a lot of services still available for you as well. Yes. Fingers crossed. And watch good movies. Yes. What a great time to be watching great movies. Take a break from TV for And a listening while. to great podcasts yes. like this one. While you're doing the dishes, because they'll pile up, I'm sure, while you're eating at home for every meal, you can listen to our podcast while you're doing the vacuuming. And then in between that, check out some great movies. Please do. Until Sponge on the Run, we'll see you next week. See you then. is rising it seems that all that was good has died oh no the world is a scary place now that you've woken up the deep